Hello, Tim. How are you? Good. Let me switch you to my headset real quick. Yeah. I read your article and, and I found it uh, fascinating because uh, it is it shows the social implications of um, the concept of data security and also how technology is directly uh, influencing um, both the contemporary generation and also um, people like me that was born in the 70s and has seen the whole evolution from uh, the early, you know, non-user-friendly machines to the personal computers. And then right now, you know, with the explosion of the smartphones, the apps, and more and more tools that make extremely easy for people both to develop and also to um, hack into uh, applications. Um, so let me know if it's if it's okay. And basically, like usually, I line down a few topics to discuss, but we can keep this one open. And um, just want to go through um, a few things with you. So if you if you're good to go, I'll uh, start to record. Okay, and how long, uh, how long do you think we'll be going? Just uh, just curious to make sure I got everything lined. I have a one o'clock call. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to be long. It could be like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It's really... I think oh, okay. It's, it's like a phone call. It's like, a, you know, like... A, obviously, it's not me being like a prospect for, for marketing or you being a prospect right. for marketing. It's just that we share uh, the same interest and I found interest. I found your article is very interesting and I just want to know a little bit more. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no problem. I just, I talk a lot, so it could go a long time. <laughs> okay. okay, awesome. So the first thing uh, that, uh, well, first of all, like, thank you for your time, for taking the call. And the first thing that I would like to know is a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, what are your current projects? What, you, what you're up to now? So um, currently we are my tiny company of, of I guess four people are you know we're typical we're typical digital marketing agency um, with the exception of a lot of the work that we do is is sort of spread across a lot of different channels so um, we have a lot of pretty wide experience with things like um, you know how to influence people online how to get people to buy things online and um, how people ultimately end up making decisions to purchase things or to follow or subscribe or do things like that it's pretty typical digital marketing agency sort of um, services and then as far as me personally um, you know I have a background uh, in a pretty wide range of of things that typically ended up being sort of wrapped around this umbrella of, of marketing and um, before I got really heavy into marketing. I was a big, uh, I was a web developer and I still do web development and, and design and, and things like that. But predominantly I'm more of a, uh, more of a strategic marketer, I guess you'd say. But, um, I've always sort of kept one foot in the door of, of web and digital and security because in, indirectly some of the services that we offer, you know, we have like a hosting side of our business where we're actually hosting something like 50 or 60 sites and they're WordPress sites. So we deal with a lot of sort of ground level security issues that you'd, you'd find. And, and strangely enough, the article that you referenced is a lot of what I've learned is sort of come from that background of, of just working on sort of the technical side of web development and design. Okay. Okay. 
and um, I've seen that you mentioned a little bit of uh, WordPress, uh, a little bit of uh, um, uh, phishing, a mix of things in the, uh, in the article that you wrote for uh, on the journal. Um, and currently, there has been in the cybersecurity uh, community concerns about plugins uh, that are both on available for WordPress, but also available on like Chrome Store or the iTunes Store. They basically are, um, they look like clones of official plugins, like the MailChimp integration plugin in WordPress. And, uh, and some people ended up actually installing them, exposing all the data. And what uh, was the result of this is that um, major corporations, they had to review the whole process uh, of approval before putting uh, apps or plugins available on the stores because what actually they were doing, they were just checking the code and making sure that it's compatible, say for example, with the latest version of WordPress, but they were not actually doing a, a background check on the on the companies. How much is uh, all these uh, security uh, data retention policies concerned affecting your work in marketing? I would say, that if 10 years ago you told me that I'd be still sort of dealing with a lot of uh, what I'd consider sort of not professional hacking, I guess, more bot-based hacking and things like that, I never would have believed you. I mean, it's still sort of bizarre to me that a lot of the quote-unquote hacking that is out there now is is just user, is really just users doing things they shouldn't really do. Um, so yeah, it definitely affects our work. And, and just to put it in perspective, you know, we only run roughly 50 WordPress sites and most of the WordPress sites that we run is actually code that I wrote from scratch and most of the plugins and things like that that we use are are either things that I wrote or that you know they're maintained by companies like ours so that we know that there won't be issues but um, you know I'm always amazed at how how often things that happen in the news that are big news stories like the Panama Papers recent uh, recent news story about a lot of uh, material getting stolen from a server in Panama. How how closely that ties into my work, and I don't work in I don't work in really security or defense or anything like that. I mean, most of our clients are are, are event companies and music festivals and things like that. And you know, strangely enough, just this last year we had a major breach with a ticketing provider that our music festival was using and it was all because the provider um and i guess i could probably go into detail about that but the provider essentially had an old version of a wordpress plugin that got hacked and it was really easy to hack it was there was a script available publicly that would hack it and and ultimately this company in panama that had a wordpress or i'm sorry um this company that was the ticket provider that had uh this old plugin on a blog that wasn't even getting much traffic from them ended up being um what caused them to lose their entire back-end database of customer information and this happened the day before my festival announced it and they actually the hacker who took over their database um sent them emails and asked for it basically was your it's it's the quintessential ransomware where uh, they were basically emailed and told, I'm going to release all of this information unless you send me one Bitcoin and they ignored it. And then 
he sent one more email and then sure he took down their sites and defaced all of their websites and this ticketing company had something like thousands of small music venues around the country that had to take their websites offline because of this so all of that came because of an outdated plugin on a blog and the panama papers hack was no different with an old plugin that was outdated on a site that happened to be on the same server as their email so once they hacked the entire website they had root access to the server and they were able to export all of their all of their emails which included all of that sensitive financial information so you know even though i have nothing to do with defense or anything as far as like national security it's amazing to me how often the same sort of exploits happen in my industry as as is in any industry Oh yeah, the um, yeah that sounds like a typical uh, uh, ransomware case. Um, as you mentioned, it's very interesting to notice uh, that somehow we're experiencing, I think, of a, a like a, a first age of um, security awareness in technology. It's like everything has been developed, and uh, without the concept of security by design, it's basically throwing out applications and giving new tools to the consumers and to companies uh, without really thinking about the consequences of exposing data and what that will cause ultimately as far as uh, both personal and business uh, damages. And, um, it's very interesting also to uh, notice that, as you just mentioned, um, that the equivalent of a script kitty, uh, so somebody that basically goes online, either on the clear net or on the deep web, just goes there and copy and paste the script, uh, shows uh, that we're living in a, in a period in time when people are not really concerned about hacking into machines, but they're hacking humans. And so all the social engineering stuff and all the, um, all the importance related to improved processes, awareness and training uh, for teams um, can, it, it has to be stressed uh, in order to make sure that things like that um, don't happen. But um, you also uh, mentioned in the article, this is another thing which uh, uh, literally catched my interest, my attention, about the John Podesta emails. And actually in the Conversation in Cyberspace uh, book, I was uh, browsing in a few um, social networks in the deep web, so not the, um, not the markets in the, in the dark web, which are mostly related to um, illegal businesses, but uh, the equivalent of uh, Facebook, Twitter, or uh, uh, Pinterest uh, in the deep web. And in particular, I was, um, I was posting uh, on Galaxy Tree or at Lio.com looking for interesting people uh, that are involved uh, in, uh, in companies or um, in anonymous groups uh, that are uh, particularly obsessed with things like privacy uh, or security. And um, one of the people that replied, uh, which I ended up to interviewing in the, in the book, uh, claimed to be part of um, a hacking group, which was particularly popular in the early 2000s called The Unknowns. And he went into details and um, using the usual you know, encrypted emails and uh, PGP systems in describing uh, the technique that has been used uh, to stole um, John Podesta emails from the uh, Democratic National Committee during the uh, 2016 election uh, cycle. In, uh, and that's the same thing that actually you mentioned in, uh, in the article. Uh, so 
in the, you, you said you work primarily uh, or mostly with the entertainment business. Um, I know, for example, that in the emerging markets, um, several aspects of technology are not secure. Uh, what is your perception uh, in relation to um, the entertainment industry um, based on your experience uh, for things like making sure that um, the data is, uh, is protected properly mm-hmm. and um, taking care basically of even sensitive details that they might seem public like for example disclosing uh, certain details about a venue where a musician will perform or finding the right way of market uh, a tour but at the same time prevent uh, that that tour becomes uh, either the uh, the target of some f- some form of hacktivism or hacking. What is your experience um, with some of your um, major uh, customers, without names, obviously, it's just, you know, something we can go high level on it. You know, I, I, I like to pretend that, like, my industry is different, but it's really not. I mean, it's unfortunate as it is. Um, security is really something that most... Most people who are not you and I and in our industry and understand a lot of what goes on, security is just a cost to, to the people that make the decisions. And, and as, even though my industry is, you know, it's it's small as far as like, you know, uh, I, I, I would say like gross revenues compared to other industries, um, it's, it's no different as far as the decision making. It ultimately comes from the top and security tends to be something that costs you money and costs you time in, 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 a, in, the, in the sense of making things convenient. So, um, I mean, even though things like having strong passwords and sort of your typical uh, security sort of protocols are things that we try to enforce on our clients and whatnot, ultimately the decision for how secure uh, a system is ultimately falls on the individual client and typically they only really take it seriously if they've had something negative happen to them previously. Otherwise, you know, to I mean, I've worked for other companies before, too, where I was just another cog in the machine. And it was amazing to me that even even the most basic of things like PCI compliance at a venue that's taking credit cards wasn't wasn't it wasn't addressed until I had been there for a while. Um, and, and I mean, I've been at companies that didn't hire their first IT person until they were over 500 people. And. And, you know, leading leading to basically, you know, one IT person for 500 people. And before that, there was no one. So it was kind of like a wild west of of who's who's securing what. And really, it's unfortunate, but most companies won't actually do anything until they've, they've had something happen to them. So our clients, I would define as being predominantly small businesses, and they certainly fall into that category. But, I, you know, I've also been at big companies and um, some of our clients are, you know, they're owned by the wealthiest people on the planet. And those companies have dedicated IT teams usually. And, um, you know, with Cisco certified network techs and things like that. And I've even seen those companies have major security issues around the way that they decided to set up their hardware and their software that manages everything. So um, I'd like to pretend like my industry is different, but I mean, I probably am am saying things that I'm sure anyone who listens to this or, or reads your book is saying, yep, yep, that's us too. Yeah, and uh, there was also another recent case, uh, I seen it on Twitter recently, I think it was uh, a week ago, um, there was a large mobile provider, um, an international mobile provider, uh, that had um, been discovered um, 
selling um, users' data um, to companies, but they were reselling it to third-party companies that they were then proceeding and reselling the data to bounty hunters. So basically for the price of 200 or $300, um, you would be able just with a phone number uh, to get details such as address, date of birth, um, and other sensitive data. And when the whole thing, you know, got news exposure, the reply from the mobile provider was that they simply didn't have a screening uh, system to check the uh, um, where those data was being sold after several steps. So say, for example, if some data was sold to um, a political party or to um, a government entity, then some other companies within uh, that sector, they will proceed and have uh, full authorization to resell it for um, other purposes. And this actually came out because one of the journalists on Vice uh, paid a bounty hunter $300 to find out um, who was the owner of his own mobile number. Uh, so basically the bounty hunter had no idea about uh, who was uh, spying on or who or what data he was providing. And the journalist from Vice uh, find out, um, it was pretty creepy, that the bounty hunter had pretty much uh, anything about him as far as location, in um, date of birth, nationality, um, some serious uh, sensitive data that should only be uh, disclosed, you know, with authorization, like uh, ID cards, data, etc. And um, also, again, like it seems to me, I seem to understand that uh, one of your uh, major uh, fields for your company, one of the major clients, is in the entertainment entertainment industry. And right now, with subscription as a service um, uh, providers, um, sim- uh, sorry, services like Netflix, for example, Spotify, Deezer, but we can also take in account um, a QQ uh, in China. Um, any of the Tencent music apps that are widely available in Asia um, or uh, um, the Boom Player, which is the equivalent of the Spotify player for the whole continent of Africa. Uh, they all have, um, they all use a database, databases that they're not checked for security. And currently they, they have not been um, covered by um, groups that are interested in uh, making sure that documentation and information is properly distributed in, in the Western world simply because they're eight, the majority of their customers are not in Europe uh, or North America. Uh, but in the near future, with uh, globalization of um, the digital market and with acts that will be touring more often uh, both ways, from the Western world to the Eastern world and, and Forward, back and forth, uh, I think that this will become more a matter of concern with uh, an increasing amount of people uh, visiting uh, celebrities' websites or uh, uh, just maybe to check the tour dates uh, that are from artists that are, for example, from US and they may be touring soon in India or uh, in China and they're looking into promoting uh, their music and their show um, over there, uh, for sure they will expose their websites to uh, more potential uh, attacks or uh, 
uh, expose their eventually their, if they have it vulnerabilities to a larger group of people. Um, do you see this as a coming wave, or do you think it's, it's something that when this will happen, we will have um, you know a better uh, better protection, maybe an AI powered um, security infrastructure? I mean, I think we're already there. I mean, a lot of, I mean, one of the things, you know, when, when we first started uh, hosting these WordPress sites for a lot of our clients who they do get a ton of exposure um, is us trying to decide if we own the server or if they own the server. And, and sometimes just because, you know, a lot of the times the clients that we work with, like I said, they're small, they don't know what any of what I'm, what you and I are talking about means. They don't, they're, they're very IT They're, I mean, they're literate in that they can probably use social media and do the basics and um, use email. But as far as like security and how websites work too, most people, that is a black box. And as soon as you start talking about code and algorithms and digital security, you can kind of just watch people's eyes glaze over. Um, and no one's really interested in it. And no one really wants to own the responsibility of, uh, of security, I guess. And, and honestly, when we started the When we started hosting these sites ourselves, we started doing it because, you know, when we were working with our clients, we were either activating sites or, or publishing new versions of their sites on their existing servers. And all of our clients were on, I would say, you know, a combination of the big five or six hosting companies. So I don't really have to go into the names of those. But what I found is that six months or a year down the road, even the sites that weren't popular for like sites that were for small restaurants, for example, would get hacked. So part of the problem clients that have our international brands, but even the clients that are like pretty unknown um, outside of like, you know, maybe a hundred miles around us, we're having their sites get hacked too. And it's because a lot of the, the trolling the web for vulnerable plugins is done automatically. So, you know, one of the first things that we had to do was um, when we started taking on the sites ourselves, because we were like, I'm so sick of cleaning out bad and hacked websites on another server provider like i'm just going to start my own service and charge uh you know charge maintenance each month to keep the software up to date and to run malware scans but you know the first piece of code that we wrote server side for our hosting company was a script that live checks every single file on the file system for changes so that's hacked plugins and things like that so we actually have a plugin that runs live on all of our sites that looks for all of your typical php functions that hackers and script kitties use and as soon as something shows up our system isolates the files and deactivates it but even before we got to writing this custom software um you know we had our servers configured and locked down so that it was it was almost inconvenient for us as developers to work on these sites because of how secured they were so we we've even checked off all the boxes as far as like permissions and user accounts and passwords and um and actually not allowing execution of, of php and certain languages and certain folders like we've already got a, a security setup that goes well beyond what's recommended on on you know wordpress.org and we still were having issues here and there so you know we wrote our own software for malware scanning we've got manual malware scans that read a scan used to do um honestly I'll, i'm really looking forward to the day when it's done by some sort of uh, either machine learning or artificial intelligence and that's something that's available on more of like what i would consider more of like a consumer level versus a enterprise level because it, it is a lot of work and 
it's one of those things that sort of if you don't know what's going on under the hood like it, it's as a as a ceo or a decision maker at a big company you're never going to think about that stuff and you don't know so you know a lot of the problem comes back to money and and that security and um things like that cost money and they take a lot of time and they cause inconveniences so it's it's unfortunately one of those things because i mean at least where i'm located in the us in a in a capitalist system that cost is really all that matters unfortunately oh yeah no i think that that's pretty much the same in the first world uh, you know the first world has is basically trying to disrupt or um you know improve an existing infrastructure uh, we've seen for example how technology is disrupting uh, currently the banking system um, i had an interview a couple of days ago with uh, brett king which is a, a ted speaker ted talk speaker and is also a very successful author and he released a book um, in December 2018 called the Bank 4.0 and it basically explores all the different scenarios you know not just the usual you know blockchain and cryptocurrency stuff but all the different scenarios where uh, the banking infrastructure is improved and um, when you see the uh, how technology is integrated in the banking system in the first world you see that basically it's mostly a maintenance role or you know improving or taking care of the security but when you go in in the third world or also in the in the second world like countries like azerbaijan kazakhstan they, they used to be part of the ussr uh, they never experienced any infrastructure like the one that we had in the 70s in the 80s in the 90s and so forth so they jumped straight from no computer to uh, an iPhone um, or yeah. from no internet to uh, 4G or 3G and uh, so you had generations that uh, they had a concept of what is an encyclopedia or what is a, a physical book but they couldn't afford a physical book to generations right now that they don't even need a physical book they just go straight to internet they have access in remote locations and in the third world in um which i would just like the last question is actually um, is actually coming up um, as something that is related to how you think the new generation is responding to what is what has been labeled as the fourth industrial revolution and um, some companies some big corporations like salesforce google and so forth they said that ai for example will uh, change a lot of things uh, in healthcare um, in um, in uh, marketing and and obviously also in sales in anything which is directly impacted by revenue uh, but it seems that the new generation is more concerned about using uh the applications and using the hardware but um there is extreme uh, uh feedback There's a certain part of the new generation uh is not interested in what happens in the back end and just uses what they, the tools that are available and there is um also a good amount of um teenagers that are extremely interested in the very technical aspect of apps and new technologies. Uh, what is your opinion about technology right now and its interaction in the, with the new generations? Ooh, that's a that's a loaded question there. I'll have to do my best with it. Um, you know, I think about this almost every day and um the small team that I work with a lot of us are 
what I would consider technologists and people who are interested in the source code, so to speak. But, you know, at the same time, we like to put on our, our consumer hats and just talk about how we make purchase decisions and how we use technology on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I would say that we're probably on the fringe as far as like caring about our privacy and understanding how a lot of the ad technology works that, um, I mean, I think your, I think your general public could describe a concept like remarketing and how that works because they've experienced visiting an Amazon product page and then having an Amazon product follow them around on Facebook and all over the internet. Like, so to some extent, I think our generation is much more adept at identifying um, how technology is sort of invasive. And the question is, will anyone care and do anything about it? And the reason why I bring up my team is because a lot of us are, you know, while we operate with big brands and is for the most part, we're normal people. Like we all use VPNs, you know, we have, um, uh, we, we use, browser add-ons to to block a lot of the ad technology and tracking technology um i have at least four plugins active on my chrome here that blocks everything um and and i think just because a lot of us here internally know just how much data is siphoned off from you as a user even if you don't really want it to that we sort of take the initiative to limit how much data we're putting out there and making sure that we're using tools that somewhat protect us. But like if I walk down the street and ask a hundred people in downtown Chicago, um, millennials and young people, and I'm sure every one of them will be on their phone on the train or when they're walking around. If I ask any of them, do you, do you have a VPN on your phone or do you use private browsing or, you know, do you use cloud-based services like iCloud and, and put all your photos up there? I'm, I'm willing to bet that 99 out of a hundred of them, probably haven't done anything to to limit where their data goes and where their personal and private information is stored and probably has no clue uh just how much is out there because i think when when i talk to people about it and i start to identify some things that maybe they've noticed but never really thought hard about it's kind of interesting to see people's minds sort of go oh my god like i have an icloud account and i've been syncing thousands of photos and who knows what's in there and and someone can you know troll through all of that and make a profile on me and certainly facebook is even if you're not logged in so it's um i guess i'm somewhat hopeful but it's sort of one of those things where it's going to take like a 9-11 type event with personal security somehow for people to actually like slam on the brakes and go, I don't need any of this. And I need to at least take steps to secure my personal data. And I don't know if we're ever going to get that, you know, because the the Cambridge Analytica story that sort of broke and it's still sort of something that's very much in the news with Facebook. Like I was one of the people that got that message when I logged into my Facebook account one day and I haven't been back on Facebook since really. You know, I have an ad account for the digital ad buys that we do, but other than that, I'm completely out of social media, minus, I guess, like the basics of Twitter. And, you know, I don't really even use Instagram anymore. And I think I'm I'm on the fringe. It's just. Oh, yeah, that goes. I think most people are totally fine with it. And I think until until and I thought the Cambridge Analytica leak of all of our data was a huge deal. And like I was one of the few people who in my sort of social circle of maybe a thousand people that I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm done. I don't, I don't need to use this anymore. That's that's unbelievable that because one idiot friend of mine took a survey. Now, everything from my last literally from 20 years old till today is out there in someone else's hands. So, you know, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I'm hopeful, but. 
I, I don't know. I, I'm that, and that's that's probably not making anyone feel good knowing that like I just don't feel like the the general public cares. And and my generation, while being a little bit better at identifying this because we grew up with a lot of the technology, I just don't see it changing much unless you know all of us unless the internet gets turned off one day because you know who knows what or something happened and it's because of something that we did or something. I don't know. Like, but I, I'm not I'm not very hopeful about that. <laughs> Yeah, you know there was uh, there was a news. Um, I think it was pretty recent. Again, like four or five days ago, that basically Australia is the first country in the world that is completely reviewing uh, the privacy law in relation to connecting to internet. So basically, the um, right now, you know, the internet service providers uh, in the Western world, I mean, at least you know, on the surface, they're not directly involved with governments. But if you go to countries uh, like North Korea, for example, uh, they have an internet service provider, which obviously is not no consumer level, but is directly managed by the government. And the same is for China, and the same is going for is going for other countries like Turkey, and where freedom of speech is an option if you're a journalist, for example. So that means that you don't have something that is under the hood uh, right before you go to a search engine, even before you actually access the, the front page of Google, you have a disclaimer that says, because you're now connected to internet, anything that you type in might be used against you. And if you want to use the internet, you just accept that. So basically Australia is thinking about, um, they have already, um, they already used this, they already integrated this in some of their online services um, in order to make uh, the, act, the internet access uh, um, privacy uh, or uh, um, legal aspects as clear as possible to the general consumer just to let them know that anything that they type in might be exposed uh, to uh, leaking or to vulnerabilities. So it, it's a very interesting thing and I, and I think that you're, you really made a point when you say that maybe we, uh, we need uh, a, a particularly traumatic uh, uh, online event that somehow has, is enough relevant on a, on a social, you know, general consumer level scale uh, to raise concern and awareness about um, what we think is just abstract, what we think is just a bunch of ones and zeros. And you know, you would think that the Snowden story, and I mean, I followed that insanely close because like it's one of those tinfoil hat things that you'd always heard about. And, and I've always sort of assumed if you're typing it into a web browser or if it's on a phone, and you have sync services set up, like just assume that that's out there forever. And anything that goes, and I've, I've thought about this since I was a kid, since before Facebook and all of this. So that's just always sort of been my mentality, but that, that Snowden leak story from the NSA and, and the subsequent movie that came out, I mean, I don't know how much they Hollywoodized the, what actually happened, but they made it seem like my worst nightmare and things that I had assumed were true were actually true, where literally everything gets siphoned up and split off at the isp level in the us and it just gets stored there's this huge data center somewhere in like utah or something where literally everything is is they have the pipe to, to store everything so you know i talk to my very intelligent friends who are in a variety of industries you know whether it's medical field or financial services and they're not stupid people and i remember talking to them about how like this should really concern you that everything that you have going outwards whether or not legal or, or illegal is being put into a, a database somewhere that a bunch of really smart people, I'm sure, could find a way to link everything up via IP address or whatever it may be. And 
and my friends were like well i don't care like what are they gonna see my you know my porn viewing history or the fact that like i watched a lot of um you know bro bible or or bleacher report articles or whatever like go ahead they can take it i got nothing to hide and it's like well then give me all your passwords that's sort of the glenn greenwald question it's just give me all your passwords you don't have anything to hide like why wouldn't you just give me all your passwords and to me the bigger thing is that that stuff is stored somewhere and it's there forever so like 25 years from now if i decide hey i'm gonna run for you know for alderman in chicago or i'm gonna run for state representative well you know the guy i'm going against knows a guy who knows a guy and now they've got a data cache from the nsa on me and it's from 25 years ago and it's been stored forever so they can you know the, the powers that be whether it's in the u.s or if it's north korea or if it's australia that's that's out there to use against you and for you to think that they won't do that like there's plenty of precedent that shows that they do do that and um i know i gotta uh, sort of wrap it up here but uh, the last thing that i'll leave you with was about um you know it's 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 the reason why i follow this this hacking story in the u.s so closely is because i think i understand it more deeply than i i have in a lot of other news stories but you know i've been following this robert Mueller, um the um the special counsel and looking at interviews of him online and um and i there was this one talk that he did where he talked about parallel parallel investigations i think is it's something along the lines of that and um someone asked him at one of his talks about I think the ethics of that and essentially what that is, and I don't know if you know, but um, I didn't know what it was at the time, but essentially what they do is they take what amounts to intelligence on you and intercepts that were obtained illegally or, or you know, inadmissible in, an, in a fashion that's inadmissible in court. And they use that to tell the whole story. And then they, they build an investigation in parallel with what they actually know. And I mean, today's breaking news was that Roger Stone got indicted and they have all of his text messages in this indictment. And I can almost guarantee you that they had um, the full story, and I'm sure the special counsel has the full story on what happened in 2016, too. They know what happened already. And, and when people say they have everything, they do. And all that they're doing now, just like he did in the Enron case, he's he's taking the actual data he has and the actual evidence he has, and he's finding ways to make it admissible in court by flipping people for lying to the fbi and having them turn over the information that he already has and then he can use that in indictments to me like as much as that excites me that there's a huge criminal cabal here in charge in the united states that did a lot of illegal things that i think may actually have some consequences for once but like it scares me at the same time that that could be used against anyone and maybe maybe i'm just being extra paranoid because i'm not anyone who's important or anything but like it's shocking to me that that is happening right before our eyes and it's something that's well known in law enforcement and the general public couldn't give a shit because they just assume that they're never going to do anything wrong in the future which i just don't think is the case for most people <laughs> oh yeah yeah and just to finish up uh, tim uh, i've you probably know about the uh, the current jedi deal uh, between amazon and the um, american government to implement uh, a new crimeware technology. I don't know if you read about mm. it. Um, it was called. I don't, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, I don't use, we, our servers are not AWS servers. Every, I've, I've got AWS certified friends of mine trying to get me to switch over and I'm like, I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> yeah, but it's on, a, it's on the CNBC um, website, uh, basically to cut it short and in order to uh, maximize the fundings uh, the just for, with justice in U.S., uh, they're thinking about implementing and using AI um, to create, study, and track profiles that are created just by streaming data and monitoring data not willingly. 
so just a, you know jeez and uh, and it's in it's in the pipes and it looks like it's going ahead um so because obviously it works very well yeah so it goes it ties up all together with what we just discussed about uh, concerns with privacy etc i think you'll find it interesting and i'll send you a link when the book is out Great. i'll actually send you a digital copy of the book and the awesome. interview with cicada 331 because they talk about um the real concept and value of privacy and and how it ties with technology all right yeah you know i'm in marketing i'd love to find a way to market the general public and 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 with the right message that gets them to care about their privacy but i i don't know if that silver bullet exists <laughs> oh yeah 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 well cicada did that with a puzzle so they used the concept of gaming mm-hmm. um and uh you know and, and niche uh channels like reddit um or 8chan uh, to just spread around the viral uh, series of uh, videos images and also printed flyers and they managed to to get um you know pretty good uh, awareness for people that are you know in, interested in this type of stuff to make them think about uh, how insecure is uh, you know how not protected is data floating around on, in the cyberspace anyway thank you for your time tim